Father, would you just come by your Holy Spirit? Would you open our hearts and minds to hear what you want to say to each and every one of us? Would you speak through Lydia that that will become so clear? Just fill her now, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Brilliant. Right, bit of room to wiggle. Hi. Um, so we're in our last uh, section of the series of the Holy Spirit that we've been going through. Um, and I wonder if any of you guys can remember some of the stuff that we've been covering uh, in our series on the Holy Spirit, looking at him uh, in many different perspectives, many different directions. Can anyone think of what? There we go. There's one. Thanks, Ruth. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's like a, a person. He's relatable. Any other things? Gift to the Spirit last week. Brilliant. Things that we can inherit uh, from the Spirit. What about the big blower thing that Richard had? Does anyone know anything about what that was about? Yeah, thank you. Power of the Spirit. Amazing. Uh, we were looking at the power of the Spirit, what he does, all of that kind of stuff. You can keep uh, trying to jog your memories throughout the talk if I'm boring you. Um, so we're looking at the Holy Spirit and we're in the last uh, series, the last session of it. And so today we're getting fruity. Okay, we're getting fruity. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Now, uh, just a kind of segue, I, I've been looking a lot at the theologian Tim Mackey for some of this content, so I can't take all the credit for it. Um, go and have a look at some of his stuff, it's really good, Tim Mackey. But before we uh, dive in, I've got a bit of a confession uh, to share with you guys. I hope you don't mind. Are you all right for, uh, to embrace a bit of a story? Thanks. Um, bear with me. So, as some of you might know, I'm a curate, which means I get to live in the curate's house, which is lovely, and uh, I feel very privileged about it. Um, and for those of you who remember the last curate, Dennis, he also got to live there in the curate's house. And in the curate's house, there's a garden, which is wonderful. And in the garden, there's a plant. Now, this plant has uh, kind of created a bit of weight and meaning in this church, so I've heard. Um, I think he's used it for PCC analogies. It's been used in sermons. Richard referred to it in a sermon just the other week. Um, it's a vine tree. It's a grape vine. Um, and has anyone heard about this grape vine in the curate's house? Some of you might have. Yes, Annette knows about it. Okay, um, so Dennis great gardener. He did an amazing job of kind of nurturing this grapevine from not very much to, uh, to something that had loads of fruit. He pruned it, he cared for it, he watered it, he did all the right stuff that you're supposed to do with the grapevine and so much so that he was even able to produce some like grape juice from it um, that he was, uh, yeah, claiming. I've, I've heard about it. I didn't try it but I heard it was very good. Um, amazing. But, you might see where this is going, uh, during lockdown, I decided to do some gardening. Um, <laughs> I decided that, you know, we've, we've got this great garden, let's, let's make the most of it, let's get, have some green fingers, it'd be great to have a vegetable patch, so we might have to kind of re-landscape the garden a little bit. And this grapevine was 
right in the middle of a lawn. Um, so I thought, okay, I did a little bit of research. I asked John Dennis, you know, what do you do with a grapevine? Apparently it's very easy, just prune it back, um, keep hold of some of the roots and, and position it on. So I did, great, pruned it back, dug it up, uh, relocated it to the side, you know, a bit more out of the way. So we have a, a bigger lawn, which is amazing. Um, the thing is, that was about two years ago, um, and the vine still hasn't budded. Um, there aren't any leaves on it, and there's no fruit. Oops. <laughs> um, friends, Dennis, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. I think I killed the vine. It's not good. Um, feel a bit bad about it. I need to go and buy a new one before we move on so that legacy can stay. Um, Tony, I need some advice. <laughs> Turns out you can overprune a vine. Uh, you, you can take it out of a, a good context into maybe a, a not fruiting context. Uh, it turns out it's not indestructible, guys. Be careful if you have a vine. Look after it. <laughs> okay. We need to look at the passage before you guys start judging me too much. Um, let's see what Paul says in Galatians, because he uses this term, fruit. He talks about fruit. Um, and, and I think it's kind of important that he uses the term fruit. Why doesn't he... He, he could say something else. We, we have analogies about shepherds and fishes, but this one is about fruit. So guys, help me out here. What is needed to produce fruit? What elements do we need uh, to have a, a plant grow and flourish and thrive? You can shout out, what, what sort of things do we need? Sun, soil, water. Seeds, a tree, what about who's going to do the stuff? A gardener, yes, yeah, someone who actually knows what they're doing, maybe a good gardener. Um, okay, and so who's taking the credit for all the growing? Is it the gardener? Maybe a bit of credit, but, but also there was soil and sun and water, right? What about the creator who grows the world so we need God as well, right? We need God to do some growing. We, we've grown because God's created us. That's what we believe. So there's lots of elements. And today, when we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, we're looking as much at the environment around the plant as we are looking at the gardener and what their role is, as we're also looking at God and what his role is. So there's lots of elements uh, in play here. So the gardener's role. The gardener's role is to make sure that there is a good environment full of nutrients, full of all the right stuff that's needed to help the plant thrive. But then even in that environment with the gardener doing his thing, we need God to do the growing. Okay. Dennis. Uh, previous curate is a great gardener, but he can't take all the credit for the great uh, grapes that he grew because actually God did the growing as well with him. But Dennis did a really good job of creating a good environment for the plants to thrive, for God to do the growing. You with me? It's kind of three things there. Amazing. 
Let's look at verse 13, right at the beginning. If you've got your Bibles, have a little look with me. It says, paraphrasing, when you accept Jesus as Lord, when you know that God is uh, Lord and you accept him in your life, it says that you are called to be free. We're free. But the question is, what do we do with that freedom? What do we do with that freedom? And then he goes on, and there's these kind of two different ways of living. We've got two lists here for the two different ways of living. We've got a slide coming up. These are like two environments, okay? So we've got the flesh, or oh, I've actually got a, yes, the flesh uh, and the spirit. Um, that's fun. So we've got these two environments of living. But if you read on a little bit further, it says in verse 17, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. In other words, they're in opposition. They butt up against each other. You, kind of, you can't have both because they're both pulling against in separate ways. So you can't have both ways. However, the reason why I've drawn, drawn this funny little circle thing is that as Christians, we kind of have both, uh, we have a foot in either side of the camp. We kind of sit in this like little crossover point. Why is that? Well, we're here, we're humans, we are made of flesh. We know maybe some of the things on that list maybe some of them feel quite extreme or other ones you're like oh yeah maybe selfish desire or fits of rage from time to time yeah we do feel those pulls right we do it's not just me <laughs> we do feel that kind of flesh pull we're in the world we experience it and we are very aware of it but we also know God and we also know the work of his spirit we know the power of his spirit at work in us. We know that there's another way to live other than just being drawn by those temptations. And we learned about the power of the spirit the other week. That it is at work with us and through us to empower us to uh, bring God's kingdom here on earth for the common good, right? The Spirit has a purpose. And so here we are in this tension. We're very aware of these pulls, of the, the temptations, the destructive things. But we also know the power of the Spirit at work in our lives. So let's just have a little think about the, the fleshy stuff. Uh, this kind of pull to begin with. Now, yes, we, we probably can uh, acknowledge that there are some pretty big things in there, and maybe you can quite confidently say, yeah, that's not me. I'm, I'm better than that. That's okay. <laughs> but what about those times where you have, certainly for me, those maybe slightly frustrating conversations or tricky conversations where in your head you're thinking, yep, there's a lot of stuff I could say right now. <laughs> a lot of stuff that I could say but you know it's going to be damaging. And you guys are all lovely, uh, knowledgeable, noble people. So I'm sure when you have those conversations, you're very good at holding your tongue and saying the kinder thing, uh, the more encouraging thing, rather than the thing that you know will be harmful. 
and won't be productive in the long run. But we all have them. We all have those thoughts. And sometimes the draw of the flesh is even to have those thoughts over ourselves that aren't true, those untruths that aren't uh, in keeping with what God calls us to be. Those things can be damaging in our own lives and can reflect out onto others. We all experience this draw. And Paul's saying that that draw to, to solely decide to go that direction, it doesn't lead anywhere. There's no inheritance in the kingdom of God when you solely face yourself in the way of the flesh. There's, there's no inheritance there. It's a bit like uh, my work of vigorously hacking back that vine tree, uh, just believing that, yeah, if I just uproot it, knock a few roots out, put it over there, it's going to be fine. It's taking it out of its what turned out to be healthy environment and we're putting it in an unhealthy environment where fruit cannot grow. Whereas the spirit, let's look at the spirit. The spirit is calling, calling us to life. And not just life, not just living and breathing, but life in its fullness, life in abundance. We know we have access to this. We have access to a flourishing life. And Paul calls it fruit. Oh, I had a little apple, never mind. Um, in my bag's an apple. I whipped it out at the 9.30. I forgot. Imagine, I have an apple here. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> The, the term fruit, you might see in your Bibles there, says fruit, not fruits. But then there's a long list of stuff going on here, right? Um, so imagine I've got this apple here. Uh, I think it's quite important that Paul is referring to one fruit. Did anybody know that uh, in an apple, in a single apple, there are many benefits? Did you know that an apple can help lower your high blood pressure if you have high blood pressure? It can help digestion. It's boost with immune systems and it's packed with vitamins and antioxidants. And uh, doctors, you can clarify this for me if there are any of you out there. Um, apparently, it can even help prevent Alzheimer's in an apple. Who knew? One apple, many benefits. One fruit many benefits okay there are many benefits from just going that one way choosing the one fruit and this is also important because maybe sometimes as we look at that list from the fruit the list of benefits we might think oh yeah yeah I, I'm quite good at that one or um, yeah I, I could do that and maybe I'll leave that one out because that's a bit tricky um, the thing is it's one fruit it's one fruit we choose. We can't just pick and choose what's, what's in there. But there are many benefits that come from choosing that one fruit. And the other thing is that it's God that does the work. Remember, it's God that does the planting. So we're not picking and choosing. We're just choosing the way. We're choosing the way. So let's have a little look at that, uh, those benefits of the Spirit. We've got another slide. Brilliant. Um, I'm just going to look at them briefly. We could uh, go on and look uh, in much more depth. Again, do have a look at Tim Mackey's full explanation 
of them. But the first thing I just want us to note is the first one. There it is. Love, love. So often when uh, Paul or when we see lists of attributes to God, love is so often at the front. If you remember the gifts of the Spirit spoken about last week, it says, yeah, these are all great, but if you don't have love, then all, it's all worth nothing. It's all meaningless. Love is so important to receive the love of God so that we can give out the love to others. And so many of these benefits are to receive first so that we can give out again. And then we've got joy and peace. They're kind of, they kind of come together uh, because these are like the inner workings of the heart, the benefits for the heart. Now, often there can be a misunderstanding of joy when we hear about uh, receiving joy. Sometimes it can, we can think, oh, d- does that mean I have to be happy all the time if I'm receiving joy? Does that mean I have to be, you know, one of those happy, clappy Christians always putting a smile on my face, uh, always saying a positive thing, always having uh, everything in life going well. No. Having joy and peace is about the inner acceptance of God. Come what may, throughout the storms, you might have some real hardships going on in your life, but receiving the joy from God is knowing that despite all things, despite all troubles, God is there with you. God loves you. God has a plan and a future and a hope. That's what joy is, okay? It doesn't have to be a frivolous thing. It goes deep within. And then we've got patience, kindness, uh, and goodness. Now, these ones... These ones are kind of the relational benefits for interacting with each other here on earth. Uh, Patience, kindness, goodness. They help us to have that uh, ability to hold our tongue, to to genuinely say the good thing, the right thing to our neighbors. And then we've got faithfulness uh, and gentleness. This, uh, This is about the kind of stability of who we are. The people at work who recognize us recognize you for uh, your noble character, for your faithfulness, for being, uh, having your yes be yes and your no be no. The Spirit helps us to do that. And then we've got that final one that for me feels a bit uncomfortable. I like to be free and easy, but (laughs) self-control. Self-control. And again, this stuff comes from the Spirit. It doesn't come from within our own ability. But the Spirit helps us to uh, withstand the temptations of the flesh. That's the benefit. That's the self-control benefit. It helps us to withstand the other draw so that we can be going the way of the Spirit. So have a little look at those and... uh, Though we can't pick and choose them, there may be some that you think, yeah, I can recognize that in my life. Or there may be others that feel a bit uncomfortable of, yeah, I need to be reminded to go that spiritual way, the way of the spirit. But remember, we can't do the growing ourselves. We try and be the gardener. We will uh, persevere to be that gardener, to create the good environment, but 
we can't do it ourselves. We need God. We need God to do the growing. So relax. But let's be aware. Let's be alert. And let's remember that there's a very good gardener who's gone before us. There's a very good gardener who's gone before us. Jesus has paved the way to say, look, this is how we walk in step with the Spirit. This is how we eat from the one Spirit. He's gone before us. And thank God he gave us a tool. He gave us the one tool that we need. And that is, can you say it with me? Because it's the whole point of this, this series. The one tool that we need is the Holy Spirit. Thank you. That was the close one. The Holy Spirit is the one tool that we need. That's all that we need. We can follow the way of the very good gardener who uh, has paved the way. And then we can take hold of that one thing that we need. It's kind of like a cyclical cycle. Um, we need the Spirit to help us eat from the Spirit to gain the benefits of the Spirit so that we can have the outworking benefits in our lives. And so we're beginning to come to a close. So what will you do with your freedom? What will you do with your freedom? Let's choose to take hold of that tool. Sometimes it's a, a daily reminder. Because yes, we're very aware that there are draws from the flesh. There are draws from the flesh. And it doesn't mean that... Uh, when we feel those draws, we're completely kicked out of the kingdom. We know that we have the spirit. So when we feel those temptations, let's pick up that tool. Let's remain in the vine. And living in freedom is living out our full purpose. Okay, being kingdom bringers, showing the whole of creation that hope in what's to come by walking in step with the Spirit. So as I come to a close, I'm going to ask uh, Ruth to come up and uh, help me here, because this is our last talk in this series. And I don't know about you guys, but I really sensed a kind of a turning up, ironically, in the, the heat <laughs> of, of the Spirit during this series and the response has just been amazing. God's been doing some incredible stuff in people's lives and let's not stop here. So there might be things from today's topic that, uh, that you want to respond to, but I wonder if there are things that have been touching your heart throughout this series that maybe you haven't had a chance to respond to yet. Maybe you've been one of those ones sat in your chair like, oh, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to say yes. Maybe today's your day. Why not step up and say, yes, God, show me what you've got. Show me what I can do. Ruth, is there other things you wanted to share? As, as Lydia said, we can't do it without the Spirit. So I think the first thing we've got to do is to stand now. And let's just ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come in power? We all need you.
every single one of us, whether we know it, whether we acknowledge it or not. We may not yet acknowledge that. But you are a gracious, generous God. Father, just come by your spirit. You know what is on each and every heart here today. Lord, you know those who are struggling, who are following the ways of the flesh. Lord, you know that. You know their hearts. Lord, you know those who, who yearn, who are desperate for more of the fruits of the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe it would be helpful just to think of one of those ways of the flesh that you want to abandon, that you want the strength of the Holy Spirit to help you to fight against. 